0: Praise the Lord. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. Jeremiah chapter 33. I received a message from Chelsea saying, pray for Dominic. And uh, then for several days, didn't receive any word. And, uh, but the Lord helped our friend. And we're so grateful for for that. Uh, Chelsea will be here tonight. You guys can have the privilege of meeting her if you haven't already. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 10 and 11. And the word of the Lord says, Thus says the Lord, Yet again there will be heard in this place of which you say it is a waste without man and without beast that is in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and the voice of those who say give thanks To the Lord of hosts, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And of those who bring a thank offering into the house of the Lord, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at the first, says the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer. I pray now that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. That you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word with gladness of heart. and Also, I pray that you would anoint them to hear and respond from the depths of their soul. For our God indeed is great and greatly to be praised. We ask this in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to speak for a few minutes this morning about thanksgiving. As I have mentioned already, Thanksgiving is not a day or a holiday, but it is a lifestyle of the believer. And I could guarantee you that a life that lives with a thankful spirit is a life that has joy and a life that enjoys the pleasure of the presence of God. The nation of Israel, as we are reading this morning out of the book of Jeremiah, has received a prophetic pronouncement from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah has told them that they will spend 70 years in exile in the nation of Babylon. These 70 years were a judgment from God. And uh, if you don't understand or know too much about the history of Israel, that's uh, quite understandable. We don't practice much of what they practiced in that day, but one of the rules or laws or principles that God set up for Israel was the year of jubilee. And according to the law of Moses, every seventh year, there was a year of jubilee. And on the seventh year, nobody went to work all year long. How would you like that? On the seventh year, all debts were considered paid, even if they weren't. How would you like that? On the seventh year, if you were a slave, you were freed. This was the the way that God established for the nation of Israel a regeneration of itself and its national life. Now you say, Pastor, if I don't work for a year, I'm going to go broke. That's what Israel would have said. But God told them, if you do this, if you observe the year of Jubilee, a year of Sabbath, then on the fifth and sixth year, I will give you a bumper crop, so abundant, so plenteous, that, that bumper crop will last you through the seventh and the first year of the next cycle. Isn't God good? Yes. Now, here's the thing. God is a very good accountant. I don't know if you know this or not, but God keeps very good records. And uh, the nation of Israel, for 490 years, disregarded the law of the Sabbath. They disregarded the year of Jubilee. They stopped taking this time off. It was a year that God would set apart to restore their national life, a year to rebuild their families, a year to rebuild their spirit. And yet there was an uh, abandoning of that very basic principle. And so he said to them, the land will have its Sabbaths. And he said, you have missed 70 years of Jubilee and you are going to spend 70 years In Babylon, I told you God is a good accountant. My grandfather used to say that God doesn't pay every day, but when he pays, he pays just right. And that's a very good news if you're just and you are a good person and you sow good seed, you're going to sow just right. But if you are not a good person, not sowing good seed, watch out, friend, because you will reap what you've sown. And Israel is now reaping what they have sown. And you can imagine what will happen in a land after 70 years. The, the, the lawns aren't being mowed. The weeds aren't being pulled. The thorns aren't being cut. And so the land and the villages and the cities began to be over, overgrown. And it is a visible sign of the fact that God has brought judgment upon His people. Now I want to use this this morning as an analogy Of the way some of our lives get, sometimes our lives may feel like a wasted place. You might look at your life this morning and say, it's nothing compared to what I dreamed that it would be. Maybe you would look at yourself ten years ago and say, in ten years I'm going to achieve this or that or the other. But you're sitting here today and and you're thinking, why haven't I been able to achieve the things that I once had Maybe you would say to me, Pastor, I once had a strong, growing, vibrant spiritual life. But this morning, I find myself in a waste place in my spirit. Maybe you'd say, I don't don't even know how to pray anymore. I don't know how to worship. I don't know how to really get in touch with God. Maybe you would say, once in my life or as a child or teenager, I really knew God. But today, I'm far from Him. Maybe you would say the same about your family life. Maybe you would say, Pastor, waste and ruin has come into my family life because of decisions that we have made, because of the way that we have abandoned or neglected God and the Word of God. Friend, these are realities that I think are very clear in the United States of America today. America as a nation has abandoned God. In our nation, in our government, we have said, you know what, we don't need God. The God that raised up this nation has now been scorned by this nation. And we are sowing what we have reaped. We are reaping what we have sown. We have sown to the whirlwind and we are reaping it. This is the natural result of neglecting God, of ignoring God, of living outside of God. But I'm here today to tell you that God said to this nation of Israel, whom He sent 70 years so that He could get their attention, God said to them, I will yet again restore you to the land that I promised you. I will yet again bring joy into the cities of Jerusalem. I will yet again give you a harvest on your neglected field. And I will yet again cause you to have a song of joy in my house. I don't know if you know this friend, but God is a yet again God. Maybe you say, God, I failed yesterday. He says, then get up and we'll try it again today. Maybe you would say, God, I have sinned against you. He says, get up and I will forgive you of your sin. Maybe you say, God, I have neglected your principles. He says today, if you will hear his voice and not harden your heart, but return to him, that he will restore you. The Bible says that he is the restorer of the soul our God is a yet again God he's a second chance God he is the kind of God that says to you I will restore the things that have been stolen and ripped out of your life I will give you something to shout about something to sing about something to hope in God says yet again to you friend who maybe have heard his voice you've heard him calling out to you you've heard him saying it's time to get right with me You've neglected him. You've put him off. you said, Lord, I'll serve you tomorrow. Right now, things are going the way I want them to go. And I just need to to do it my way. But today, he's saying, yet again, I'm calling you. He's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to give your whole heart to him. You say, preacher, how many times will God call? I don't know, friend. That's why there's urgency in my voice this morning. I don't know how many chances God's going to give you. I don't know how many times you're going to hear this preacher invite you to come to Christ. I don't know how many times you're going to have an opportunity to hear His voice calling. All of us have only this moment. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Today, if you hear His voice, say yes to Jesus. Open wide your heart to Him. He will receive you as His own, as we sang this morning. And He will forgive you of your sin. And this morning He calls to somebody and He says yet again, I'm calling out to you. Maybe he called to you as a child, but you ignored him. Maybe he called to you as a teenager, but you said, I don't have time. Maybe he called to you as, a, as an adult, and you said, I'm busy now. Maybe he's calling to you now as a senior citizen in the sunset of your life. He's saying to you, don't wait till it's too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to say yes to Christ. Now is the time to open up your heart to him. You might say, preacher, would God receive me? You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. No, friend, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But I know God. I know that He is gracious and merciful, abounding in loving kindness and compassion to those who will fear Him. I know that He said that no one who calls upon the name of the Lord will ever be turned away. That's the only reason I'm a preacher today. Because I can preach in Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, and Beaville. And it's the same message that if you will receive Christ as your Savior, He won't turn you away. But rather, He will receive you into His family. He'll make you his own how many times will he have to call you for more than 80 years this church has been sending out the invitation to the world how many pastors will it take before you hear his voice how many sermons will you hear before you answer the call friend don't wait another moment another minute today he says yet again i'm calling you come without delay he says to you who think that life has thrown you a curveball You say, Pastor, I don't have anything to laugh about anymore. Sorrows have filled my days. I've made a colossal blunder. I have watched my fortunes fall through my hands. You say, Pastor, I don't have any joy in my life. I don't have any peace in my life. You say, Pastor, I don't know if, if I can if I can get up and go forward. Let me tell you, God is a yet again God. He wants you to know it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter where you are. What matters is where he's taking you. And he says, I will yet again put joy in your in your life. I will put laughter in your mouth. I will put a song in your spirit. The psalmist said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? God will again give you a reason to praise Him. If you will put your trust in Christ today. He'll give you a reason to praise Him. Maybe you lost a job this week. God says I gave you one job. I can give you another. Maybe you lost, maybe you lost an advantage this week. God says if I gave you that advantage. I can give you another. Do you know that our God is not a one-hit wonder? He's not only able to do it once, but if He healed you once, He can heal you twice. And if He healed you twice, He can heal you three times. If He restored your marriage once, He can restore your marriage again. Somebody ought to give God praise. We have a yet-again God. It's not over. Tell your friend and neighbor, it's not over. If God be for you, who can be against you? I said it last week. I'm going to say it again today. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, if God wants you to succeed, if God wants you to make it, if God wants your marriage to work, if God wants your family to be blessed, if God wants your soul to be saved, then who can be against you? If God is for you, if God is on your side, if God stands with you, friend, then you'll never stand alone. If God is your ally, then you have the sure help of God in every hour of your life. Today, He says to you, yet again, I will do it again. I will lift you up. I'll, I'll restore your life. I, I can rebuild what others have destroyed. You know, it's easy for us to imagine that God would restore the life of an, inno- of an innocent victim. We say, sure, God would restore the life of someone who was innocently robbed or, 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 or taken advantage of. But God wouldn't restore the life of someone who made the decisions that brought him to destruction. Can I tell you, friend, that you're the very person God wants to restore. You're the very person that God is able and willing to rebuild. And we're watching in this church God restore lives. You don't know it, but as I look at you, I know where you've been. You've told me, some of you. You've told me your stories. You've told me about those places where God found you. But aren't you glad that God's not above going into the dumpster to pull out the wreckage and ruin of life and to restore our soul? I wish I was preaching to a church that knew what I was talking about this morning. Our God is able to restore. He said to Isaiah, I have plucked you out of the very fire you are already burning. You were already destroyed, already set apart for destruction, but I rescued you. I rescued you. He says to Israel, I will yet again cause joy to be heard in your streets. I'll yet again cause your harvest to be restored to you. He says that the response would be that the nation of Israel would say, Thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endure forever. Our God is not only a yet again God, but He is a merciful God. Do you know that this morning? Do you know the mercies of God? I want you just for a moment to take that videotape in your mind and rewind it back to January 1st of 2015. All the days in between, all the weeks and months, and I want you to think about those moments when you thought, this is it. I don't know if I can make it another day. And God showed up And helped you. I want you to think about those moments. When you were sick. And God showed up and restored your health. I want you to think about those moments. When you were planning your funeral. But tonight you're planning Thanksgiving. With your family for this week. I want you to think about those moments. When you were about done. But God said I'm not done. I'm with you. And and I am on your side. Come on, just start thinking about all those times when you could have been in that accident, but the Lord intervened and rescued you. Think about those times when you thought financially, I just won't be able to stretch this check far enough, but somehow God got in there and he just made it work out. He stretched it as far as it needed to go. Is there anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about? Have you seen the mercy of God? Our God is rich in mercy. The Bible tells us about a woman named Naomi, her husband and and her family, they went out of the city of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. They went out of the place of God's provision, of God's will, because things got a little hard. They went to the land of Moab, a pagan society that was the result of a great crisis of the past of Israel. They got to Moab, and things started going south quick. Has that ever happened to you? You step out of God's will and things just go quick downward. And so it happened that her husband died and then her son died and now the next son died and before you knew it, Naomi was completely alone. A stranger in a strange land. Her name was Naomi which means favorite of God. She started telling people, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter one. Call me Mara. It means bitterness. And I don't know if people took her seriously or not. But she began to see herself as the very result of her choices. But Naomi made a decision. She made a decision that every one of us has to make at one point or another. She said, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to God. I'm going to go back to the place that I know that God is blessing. I'm going to go back to the place that I know that God has chosen. And Naomi began to make her journey back. She said to her daughters-in-law, she said, look, I don't have any more children I don't have any sons for you to marry, so it's better you go home. Go back to your, to your families. Go back to your gods. Go back to your ways. And, and one of them named Orpha, not Oprah, but Orpha, Orpha said, you know what, that's a good idea. I don't think I can stick with you, Naomi. And she went on home. But There was another Moabitess named Ruth. And Ruth was a pagan. She was an outsider from the covenants of God. But yet in that moment, She was God's provision for Naomi. Naomi was ready to call it quits. She was ready to say, it's done. But God said, I'm not done. He put at her side a young lady named Ruth, her daughter-in-law. And Ruth said to her, Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. those two women journeyed back to the very center of the will of God. And God not only restored Naomi's fortune, but he gave Ruth the privilege of being in the family tree of the Messiah. I'm talking about a yet again God whose mercies are new every morning, every single day. His grace and his mercy is for for us. It's towards us. And it is our constant companion. The, The psalmist said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life doesn't matter where you go, goodness and mercy are going to follow you. You have a stalker, a divine stalker, goodness and mercy. You take a step and they're right behind you. You run, they're running with you. You fall, they fall with you and they help you get up. When you take a loss, they're there with you because it is that very presence of God, a very promise of God. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Have you seen God's mercy in your life? Do you have anything to be thankful for this morning? Then the natural reaction is for us to say thank you. To say, God, for all of your mercies, I will thank you. God has shown so many mercies to us. And you know, sometimes the mercies of God come in small packages. Sometimes we expect the mercy of God to show up in a brand new Rolls Royce. Wow, God is merciful, but no, sometimes God's mercy shows up in a little sack lunch to tell you, I know even your smallest need. Sometimes God's mercies show up in your life when you least expect them. You're on your way headlong toward hell and destruction. God sends a messenger of hope. He sends a light to your boat out in the darkness, in the sea, lost without hope and without God. And by His mercy, He sends a lighthouse to you to say, hey, this is the way home. This morning, God is using me as an act of mercy to you. He's put His word in my mouth so that you would know that His mercies are new every morning and that His faithfulness is greater than anything. Friend, the mercies of God surround us. They are our crown as we walk with God. And our natural reaction is to be grateful, to be thankful. Jeremiah said, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts for he is good and his mercy is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Give thanks to the Lord. Not once a year, but every day. I make it a habit. Every time I wake up, I try. It it doesn't happen every time, but most of the time when I wake up, I say, Thank you, Lord. Well, why not? You ought to make it a habit. Start your morning with Thanksgiving. Amen. I don't mean with turkey and dressing. Start your morning with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Some of you say, Oh, man. It's morning. i got to go to work. My snoring husband didn't sleep all night. My wife got up several times and you... You need to wake up with a different attitude. Wake up saying, Lord, I thank you. I thank you because you've given me life today. I thank you because you've given me this husband or this wife. I thank you because you've given me these children that are running through the house. I thank you because you have given me this job to go to. Some people wish they had a job and they wish they could work, but I can. I thank you, Lord. And you know, friends... Thanksgiving is the antidote to complaining. How many of you are complainers? Don't raise your hand. This is not an altar call. But are you a complainer? Oh. Woe is me. Nothing ever goes my way. Where is God in this? I wish the Lord would just do it quick. I hate this job. I can't stand this boss. These coworkers are getting on my nerves. These tortillas are hard. <laughs> the toast is burnt. The preacher's preaching long. There's a, a remedy for complaining. God has given us an antidote. To complaining. And you know, here's the thing about complaining. Complaining is contagious. If you start your day complaining, your whole day will be complaining. And then your wife will start complaining. And then your children will start complaining. And they're going to go to their place of business or school. And they're going to have complaining over there. And it's just going to spread. And before you know it, it's going to get all over the place. We have a rule on every mission trip that I lead. No complaining. No complaining. That's my rule. And we're going to have that rule around here. No complaining. What was ever accomplished by complaining? What did you ever get out of it? You start complaining and you just feel bad. You feel sick. You feel sorry. You feel um, mad, angry, frustrated, feel like you can't get ahead. And all it is is just you focusing on the wrong thing. Have you ever started focusing on your nose and it just seemed like your nose got bigger and bigger (laughs) and bigger and bigger? It happens, doesn't it? When you focus on something, it just gets bigger. It gets magnified. You start focusing on complaining, and it just gets magnified. Your wife might have a habit that drives you crazy. You start focusing on that before you know it. All she is is that habit. Your husband may snore before you know it. All he is is a snorer. You're laughing because it's true. That's how it is. We magnify what we focus on. But there's a remedy for that. God says, "Give me thanks." When you feel tempted to complain, start thanking Him. When still tempted, when you feel tempted to start saying, "I don't have," start saying, "Lord, I thank you for what I do have." When you, when you feel like you, you are, are not able to get ahead, tell him, God, I thank you that I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. I have, I have made some progress. I have made some steps forward. You see, when you start giving God thanks, you're inviting him to come into your life. That's where favor comes from. From a thankful spirit. When God says, look, my child is worshiping me in spite of everything. In the middle of the night, in the darkest hours, they're praising me. They're giving me thanks. This is the attitude of gratitude. It is the, the remedy, the antidote for a complaining spirit. And when you start to thank God, you say, God, I thank you for my health. I thank you for my provision. I thank you for my finances. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my pastor. I thank you that there's people in my life that love me and care about me. And you begin to to celebrate the goodness of God. guess what gets magnified in your life? The facts that God has done some extraordinary things for you. Husband, next time you're tempted to say, man, this woman. I want you to remember the day you woke up alone in bed and wished there was a woman there. And I want you to thank God. For that woman. And, and wife when you start complaining about your husband. I want you to start saying God I thank you. Because one day I didn't have a husband. And I prayed for one. And it's the one you gave me. And I thank you for it. And when you start complaining about those children. Tell him, Lord I thank you for these kids. They're driving me up the wall. But I thank you for them. I thank you that you have blessed them. And you're going to make them a blessing. To many nations. When you and I start thanking God. We magnify him. We magnify His mercy. We start start to see that He is bigger than all of our problems, greater than all of our needs, that He is holier than all of our sin, that He is able to wash us when when we're filthy, that He is able to restore us when we're broken, that He is able to mend even the most difficult of broken hearts. And friend, when you and I start giving thanks to God, there's one more step, Jeremiah says, that we'll take. He says... These people will bring an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. For the last 80 years, this church has been preaching the gospel in this region. And I want to tell you, friend, every year at Thanksgiving, this church receives a special offering in thanksgiving to God. You all know that, and, and you've prepared yourself for it. But I want you just to think about it. Wouldn't it be wrong of us to be the first generation to say, you know what? We're not going to give God thanks in that way. Oh God forbid, let us be the generation that passes on to the next, that torch that says, give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercies endure forever. That we can say our God is a good God. Our God supplies every need according to His riches in glory. And friends, as a church today, we're going to receive this offering and then we're going to fill this altar with prayers of thanksgiving. I want you to do one more thing. This I do, I do by habit. I begin every prayer with thanksgiving. I want you to start to do that. You know, it's easy to start praying by saying, Lord, I want. Lord, I need. Lord, when. Lord, why. Lord, how. But I want you to change that. I've been practicing this for the last few years. I begin every prayer by saying, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Jesus said, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. Think about that. He always hears you. Even when you're not quite focusing on him, he hears you. And We're going to come into this altar in a few minutes and we're going to offer a prayer of thanksgiving to God. He said, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Just start telling him thank you. Thank him for every good thing in your life. Thank him even for the hard times. Thank you for the fact that he has been faithful. That he's been good. That his providence has steered your life to where you are today. That by his good hand.